Today on the Locked On Blues podcast, the St. Louis Blues recently announced that they hired Craig McTavish as their new assistant coach coming in and replacing Jim Montgomery, who was uh, hired as the head coach of the Boston Bruins. Alexei Toropchenko recently received shoulder surgery that's going to keep him out of the beginning of the season. Plus, the NHL draft is right around the corner, so I'm going to be giving my initial thoughts on what I think the Blues should do, what they should go after, uh, before going into a more deeper dive on the draft in tomorrow and Thursday's episode. Make sure you stay tuned. Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Lockdown Blues Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm your host, Josh Hyman, as always, and I got a good episode for you today. Lots to talk about with the NHL draft right around the corner. Before I get into that, though, I want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, so the NHL draft is on Thursday, July 7th. Just wanted to sort of give you guys a preview of where I'm going to be going with things this week. Um, Took yesterday off, you know, 4th of July. Hope everybody had a great holiday, Uh, great 4th of July. You know, spent some time with family, uh, all that fun stuff. Um, But yeah, so today I'm sort of going to be talking about, half the episode going to be talking about basic blues news, um, McTavish and Torpchenko, and what that sort of means for the roster next season. Uh, and then second half of the episode, I'm going to be giving my initial take on the draft, not really bringing up any specific names or anything or any players in the Blues should take, more so just talking about should they move back in the draft, should they pick a defenseman, should they pick a forward, that sort of thing. And then tomorrow's episode, Wednesday, which is the day before the draft, I'm going to be looking at a few different names I would like the Blues to take, and then I'm going to be doing the same thing on Thursday. Um, depending on what time you know, I'm free or whatever, maybe the Thursday episode will be a post-draft reaction, or maybe that'll be Friday's episode. I don't know. Stay tuned. For that though, but before I jump into the draft stuff, we do got some news to talk about, and that is the fact that the Blues hired Craig McTavish to be their assistant coach um, following Jim Montgomery's departure. Uh, it was great, you know. In <laughs> in the episode that I talked about um, on Friday, I believe, which is the day that McTavish was hired, I said that I wouldn't be surprised to see that that role be filled from within. Uh, and then, sure enough. Less than an hour after I finished recording, the Blues proved me wrong, and they hired Craig McDavish, who is definitely not uh, an inner hire. Craig McDavish is a guy that has a ton of NHL experience from being a player uh, to being a head coach to being a general manager and pretty much everything in between. And that's what I think is really important uh, in this hire. Um, Doug Armstrong was on record. He basically said, yeah, with, with McDavish's experience, they call him Mac T, which I think is pretty great. Um, with Mac T's experience, there's nothing that he hasn't seen. And I think that is something that is really, really crucial for that role. Um, he has a ton of experience, like I was saying. You know, he played for a long time. Uh, he coached for a long time. But he was also a general manager. So he's seen the game from many different levels. You know, he's seen it from the ice level as a player. Um, you know, what's what it takes to be successful as a player. He's seen it as a head coach, what it takes to be successful as a head coach to run the team. But then also he's seen it from a general manager's perspective of like, how do you build a team? How do you keep everybody happy? How do you create a product that is going to compete night in, night out on the ice? And having that much knowledge and 
also clearly that much love for the game, which I don't think you can deny his love for the game. The fact that he's been around the game as long as he has um, is going to be huge for the Blues. And as much as it, it's a difficult uh, role to fill, uh, Montgomery did so much uh, for the Blues. You know, he made their special teams unit so, so strong. Um, I think McTavish might have even broader of a knowledge than Jim Montgomery. Yeah, I don't think he's quite as much of an expert at the little things like Montgomery was. I don't know if our power play and our penalty kill is going to be as specialized as it was under Jim Montgomery. But the other aspects of it, you know, maybe the defense, maybe, you know, other areas, I'm not sure. But other areas that McTavish has more experience with just due to his sheer volume of hockey that he has been around playing, coaching, managing, etc., etc., um, like like uh, Doug Armstrong said, there's nothing that he hasn't seen. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he goes out there week one and sees the Blues defense starting. And be like, oh, yeah, this is just like that Oilers team I coached back in 2003. I don't know if I have the years correct, but you know what I mean. You know, the, there's there's a very good chance that any problems the Blues run into, McTavish has already seen at some point in his tenure as a player, coach, or general manager. That's just that's the the, the benefit when you get a guy that has that much experience, that much tenure, um, just being around the game as much as he has. So I like that a lot. I think that that's exactly what the Blues needed in their coaching staff. It's just some experience. You know, Craig Berube is a guy that doesn't have a ton of um, experience behind the bench, that sort of thing. You know, obviously he's done a great job, but. Uh, when it comes to, you know, deeply experienced as coaches and stuff, the Blues don't necessarily have that um, quite as much as some other teams. So bringing in McTavish, I think it's going to be great and fill that role and just sort of provide that that veteran leadership behind the bench that maybe, I don't want to say the Blues have been missing that, but, you know, that can help any team out. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do in that role. Um, I don't think he's ever been an assistant coach. I think he's only ever been a head coach or general manager. I could be wrong there, though. Um, or at least he hasn't been one recently. So I'm going to be interested to see how he takes on that role. Um, should be exciting, should be fun to see. Uh, and like I said, I'm looking forward to it a lot. Now in this upcoming second segment, I'm going to be talking about the unfortunate uh, surgery for Alexei Toropchenko, a guy that I thought was going to make a pretty big impact next season. And he still could, but it won't be till I think like December-ish when he recovers from his injury. So I'm going to be talking about that and more. Make sure you stay tuned before I get into that. I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.net. Now, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs. I don't know why it still says that. Well, this year's uh, MLB season, I should be saying. Uh, BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and even golf. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And I'll be right back with the second half of today's episode. All right, so news came out over the weekend that uh, young stud Alexei Torbchenko, a guy who really turned some heads in the playoffs and impressed me down the stretch of the regular season as well unfortunately is receiving shoulder surgery that is going to keep him out for the beginning of next season for the st louis blues and that really stinks um he's a guy that showed a lot of strides a lot of promise for the blues and you know now he's missing out in a full off season of of training and, and improving and also you know missing out on training camp and the start of the season that's very frustrating uh for him and i think for us as fans as well and for the blues organization as a whole i think he's a guy that they had a lot of faith in that could come in and be an impact player, you know, in that bottom six. 
um, or even in that middle six. And the fact that he's going to be sidelined for at least a few months to start the season is definitely pretty disappointing. Um, and that sort of ties into the whole draft discussion of um, the transition of, of power between the older guys and the younger guys on the team. Uh, even though the Blues' core guys are up there in age, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron, um, the defensive core, uh, the goaltending is getting close to 30. I think if you look at this roster and, and, and look past that, you see that the Blues have a pretty darn good young core in place um, in, you know, Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, soon to be Jake Neighbors, Zachary Bolduck, uh, Scott Perunovic, um, Joel Hofer, Colton Ellis. Like they've got a lot of young names that I think are pretty exciting. So Alexei Torbchenko, I think, is a perfect sort of bridge between the older group and the younger group. He's a little bit uh, older than some of like the younger, younger prospects like um, Bulldog and Neighbors. He's got you know a little bit more NHL experience than those guys. But also, you know, you got guys like Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo that are still just a bit ahead of Torbchenko. So I think Torbchenko was a really good example of sort of the, who's up next for the St. Louis Blues. Like he most likely isn't going to turn into a superstar player, you know, putting up 70, 80 points a season. But he's the type of guy that every team needs, you know, a middle six, bottom six guy, grinder, plays his role well, plays responsibly, uh, does all the right things out there. And, you know, it's pretty easy to look at prospects and just assume the highest ceiling for them and just say, oh, yeah, you know, he's looking great. He could be a first-line center or a first-line winger or a first-pairing defenseman. And anytime that the players don't do that, it can almost be seen as disappointing. Um, I think every fan base has a tendency to sort of hype up their own prospects more than they actually deserve. So that way, you know, when they don't turn into a Robert Thomas or a Jordan Cairo, it's inevitably a, a letdown or a failure, which that's not the case. You know, the, there's four lines on an NHL team, on an NHL offense, and there are three pairings on defense. And some prospects are going to turn into a fourth line guy or a third line guy or a third pairing defense guy or a backup goalie or whatever. And that's really important. Look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Look at the Colorado Avalanche. They have a lot of youth in their in their depth. You know, they don't just have a deep roster. They have a deep young roster. They got guys that are younger that play on the fourth line, that play on the third line, that play, you know, on their third pairing defense, whatever, what have you. Uh, successful teams have a lot of depth and have a lot of youth uh, at that depth. So that way, you know, you can save a little bit money, a little bit of money on those bottom few positions. So that's what I think the Blues are going to miss most out of Torpchenko is having that youthful uh, exuberance in your bottom six of your lineup can sort of bring a different energy than when you fill up your bottom six with veterans, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. The Blues had a veteran bottom six core and won a Stanley Cup with it. So, you know, I'm not saying it's it's the worst thing in the world for the Blues, but I think their bottom six is definitely going to miss out. Um, and, you know, I think in general, uh, the Blues are going to miss out on Torpchenko's presence. He looked really, really good against Colorado there towards the tail end of that series. Um, and had his moments in the tail end of the regular season as well. Uh, because of that, you know, I think that um, the Blues are pretty bummed by this this injury and this surgery, but also the fact that they may be elected to to get this procedure means that they want to get him back in the lineup as soon as possible. And, you know, they're, they're putting him through the best treatment, the best rehab in order to get him, you know, healthy and back in the lineup um, as soon as possible. I think that they have pretty high hopes for him. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Um, on top of the other younger guys, you know, and that brings up the question. I saw someone post uh, on the blue subreddit. Do we think Jake neighbors will get a shot? Um, now that Alexei Torbchenko uh, is injured. And that's interesting because I think 
you're not going to bring Jake Neighbors into the roster if you're planning on only using him until Alexei Torpchenko gets healthy. I think if Jake Neighbors makes the roster, he's going to be a guy that's, you know, suiting up every single night because if he's not going to be suiting up every single night, you don't want to have him, you know, wasting time in the press box. You'd rather have him in the AHL or in juniors, um, you know, grow up and growing and developing there. So I think, I don't think it's, you could pencil in Jake Neighbors uh, as a permanent spot on this team, you know, he did earn the nine games last season and looked pretty darn good in them. Um, but I don't think, you know, it's it's a guarantee that he has a roster spot next season. The forward core is still very deep, even if somehow the Blues lose David Perron, um, which I don't think is going to happen, but could happen. Even if they lose a guy like David Perron or, you know, even with Torpchenko's injury, the forward core is still just as deep as it was last season. Um, and it's the same forward core that Jake Neighbors just couldn't, white crack um mostly just due to him you know like i said it, it'd be better off him getting that those, that experience in juniors slash the ahl um rather than you know playing one out of every three games or something like that in the nhl and unless he has taken some immense strides which he very well might have and i mean he had a great season uh down in juniors uh he captained his team to a whl championship so you know there's no reason to believe that he might not have taken a um or there's no reason to believe that, yeah, there's no reason to believe he didn't take a huge uh, step this offseason in terms, or this season in terms of growth and, and NHL readiness. And I'm absolutely not ruling out him coming into camp and just blowing everyone's minds and being spectacular and earning a roster spot. You know, that would be great. And he's the type of guy that I think can do that. He's got experience beyond his years. He was the captain of a championship winning team. Um, very well liked within his organization. And those are the little things that can sort of get you that extra push needed to make a roster. You can have all the skill in the world, but if you're not ready, you're not going to make the roster. And I don't want to say Jake Neighbors wasn't ready last year, but I think that played a part in it. I think, you know, skill-wise, he was right there, but it was just better for him to develop, um, you know, where he could get more playing time. And I think this year, he's got a much better chance of making the roster long-term just because of that experience and obviously because of the skill that he has. But I'm not guaranteeing it, especially because, you know, once Torpchenko comes back, that sort of creates a logjam. But hey, who knows? You know, it, it could be it could be one of those things where he basically forces his way onto the roster and, and has a really strong season. I would love to see that. So anyways, speaking of young guys, the NHL draft is right around the corner. So in this third second, I'm going to head to it a little bit early because I got a lot to talk about what I think the Blues should do. All that fun stuff. Make sure you stay tuned uh, after this ad break. Okay, so Thursday, July 7th. Right now it is Tuesday, July 5th. Thursday, July 7th is the NHL draft. Sort of snuck up on me. Um, been so busy lately with work and all that stuff. Offseason has flown by. The rest of the playoffs flew by. And now here we are. Draft is right around the corner, which means free agency is also right around the corner. But not going to be getting into that quite yet because, like I said, the draft, it's here. The Blues are going to be picking at 23rd overall as of now. Um you know, definitely an earlier pick than they're somewhat used to. I think last year they picked, oh, I don't remember. I don't remember where they picked last year, like 20 or something like that. And it was the highest pick that they had had in a long time. The Blues often find themselves picking at 25 or later because they've been so good for the past few years. So a little bit a little bit earlier in the draft than they're used to. Tiny, tiny bit. Um, and because of that, I'm excited to see who they could go after. Uh, the question that I'm going to be pretty much talking about today I'm not going to be going into names yet of guys that I think they should take. I want to do a little bit more research before I do that. Um, but I'm going to be just thinking about what the Blues need long-term. Now, Doug Armstrong uh, had an interview where he talked about his plans for the draft, and there were a few things I wanted to go over. So the first thing that he said was 
they're not going to move up unless something miraculous happens, which makes sense. Um, the Blues aren't really a team that needs to move up in the draft right now unless there's like unless a guy like Connor McDavid slips to the 17th pick and they want to jump up six spots. But anyone that they pick in the draft is probably going to be a project player. Um, you know, anyone that late in the draft is likely going to be a project player. That's another thing that Doug Armstrong talked about. You know, if you're if you're at the 23rd pick, you're looking at a guy that's going to be three years away, two if he gets a bit of a fast track, um, you know, and he also says something like, you know, when we're talking about picking guys uh, that late in the first round, we're not talking about them making an NHL roster just to be there. We're talking about them being able to come in and contribute and playing, you know, 10, 13 minutes a night um, and playing well. So it doesn't sound like they have too much of a desire for a young guy that can come in and fill the roster right away, which makes sense. You know, this is a team that was two wins away from defeating the eventual Stanley Cup champion uh, in the second round of the playoffs. You know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty and whatever. You know, the, the Blues were definitely outclassed by the Colorado Avalanche. But still, there's clearly a good roster there. There's clearly no need to immediately try to fill some knees at the draft. But that being said, um, with some of the guys getting up in age, like Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron, the defensive core is going to be on the wrong side of 30 sooner rather than later, um, et cetera, et cetera, like, there's definitely a need to fill some not immediate gaps, but some gaps that are pretty apparent that are going to exist in a few seasons' time. And that's why I think when people point at the, the Blues and how they have such a lack of defensive depth in terms of their youth, people say, oh yeah, they should take a defenseman this year. Um, I don't know if I'm too too bought in on that. Like Obviously, I think in terms of initial needs, defensemen, yeah, if you're picking a guy that you know, you know is going to be a really good player, then you go for a defenseman because that's the Blues' biggest need right now. But then you also look at, like I said, the the forward group and the fact that besides, you know, Ryan or, or besides Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, uh, Jake Neighbors, Zach Bolduck, those guys, you know, there are definitely some holes there as well. And because of that, I think the Blues are going to sort of take a best player available approach. I think if they pick a defenseman, which first of all, they haven't picked a defenseman in the first round since 2012, and that was Jordan Schmaltz, and we all know how that went. Um, Picked him at, like I think, 25. So right around where they're going to be picking this year. Um, But, you know, the Blues notoriously aren't that great at picking first-round defensemen, probably why they haven't done it in 10 years. Um, And they've also kind of had success finding defensemen outside of the first round. Colton Pareko was like a third-rounder. Tory Krug, Justin Falk were all brought in from the outside, um, stuff like that. So because of that, I would almost lean more towards the Blues taking a forward, but I think it really comes down to best player available. I think there are some really solid names um, around the 23rd pick in the draft. And Doug Armstrong said in that interview, he basically said like, um, there are some guys that they're really, really excited about that they think are going to be there at 23. But if this, if those guys aren't there at 23, then they're going to think about moving back with teams that have multiple picks in the late 20s or something like that, which is interesting. You know, if if the 23rd pick could be worth like the 28th and 33rd pick or something crazy like that, that, that says a lot about, you know, the, the, the disparity between the top 23 picks and then the next 20 picks or whatever, if that's what Doug Armstrong was alluding to. So... If I'm the Blues, I honestly would prefer to add two pretty good prospects over one really good prospect. I know that doesn't really make much sense, like pretty good versus really good, but 
hear me out. So you get a chance to add one guy with a high ceiling but a low floor or two guys with a lower ceiling but a higher floor. Two guys that you know are going to be able to be uh, productive and, and you know come in and likely fill a roster spot in three years' time versus one guy who might turn into the next Vladimir Tarasenko, you know, late round or late first round draft pick that turns out to be a stud, or maybe he turns out to be the next Ty Ratty, you know, and if you're asking yourself, who's Ty Ratty? Exactly. Um, and if I'm the St. Louis Blues with the way that their roster is built and the way that they're planning on, you know, contending even after the court turns over, I think I would prefer that they go out and get, you know, more surefire guys. And if that's a matter of trading back and getting, you know, like I said, two guys that, maybe don't have the potential as the first guy, but they, they're more likely, they're more of a sure thing. I say you take that route. I say you go for the sure thing that you know can at the very least be a third, fourth line forward or a third pairing defenseman versus a guy that might turn into a second or first line forward, first pairing defenseman, but also might just be a career AHLer. Um, I think those are more picks for teams that are rebuilding, teams that have a lot of options. Uh, and that's not what the Blues are. So I'm looking forward to the draft. I'm looking forward to talking about it and Tomorrow's episode, sort of diving into some of the names I like around the 23rd pick. Should be a lot of fun. I love the draft. I love prospects. All that stuff is so exciting. So make sure you stay tuned because I'll be covering all that for you here on the Lockdown Blues podcast. That being said, though, is all the time I have for you today. So make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to me on. Hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel at Lockdown Blues and the notification bell. That way, whenever a new video gets uploaded, which is usually... Well, actually, now they're around the same time as the audio uploads. I've been scheduling them 6 p.m. Eastern uh, every day. I'm trying to get into more of a schedule, you know, posting the episodes at the same time every day. I hope that drives a little bit more traffic. So, yeah, 6 p.m. Eastern most days. It might be different the day of the draft because the draft is, um, I think, like 7 or 8. So I might uh, upload one a little bit earlier or a little bit later, depending on how my day goes. But, yeah, 6 p.m. Eastern for the near future. Um, look out for that. Um, you know, like I said, trying to get on more of a schedule. Follow Lockdown Blues on all of the social accounts, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Lockdown Blues. You can follow my Twitter at Josh Hyman NHL. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and as always, let's go Blues.